0: Oh, hey, Friday. Welcome to Duffified Live. It's good to see you here, watch, track all of you people out there who are making it through this insane day, uh, uh, month, year, pandemic, whatever it is that we've, however many days, I don't even know how many days we're into this. I think we're at the beginning of our fourth week right now of pandemic 2020. Uh, that's pretty insane. I was about to say amazing, but it's pretty insane that we are literally in the midst of history and, and learning to adapt all of that on a daily basis. Um, I, uh, I want to touch a couple things here real quick. Uh, you know, I read Eater all the time. I like Eater. I like their, their journalists. Um, this this thing that I'm reading right now is from, uh, an, a writer, a journalist named Jamie Feldmar, uh, who I think I'm supposed to, am I supposed to mention them? Am I supposed to tell you who they are? Feldmar. Oh, this is all of that person's articles. Huh? Nice. But I'm reading an article right now, which is the coronavirus delivery pivot is already coming to an end. Um, And uh, it says as dining rooms around the country shuttered in response to the pandemic restaurants uh, and the pandemic restaurants turned to delivery and takeout. But now some chefs are saying it's not worth it. Okay, I think pardon me. Um, You know, I think that if you're a fine dining spot or you're an upper scale place, it's really a tough thing to do. I'm watching some people make it, but they're working their balls off, man. They're working their balls off. We are a barbecue place at my place in Philadelphia. In Philly, and man, I got like I gotta drink water or something, I think. Hold on. Ah. We, you know what's so funny? Is I just took a drink from my water bottle, which smells like smoke. It literally smells like the restaurant. The plastic has already started to absorb all of the smoke from the restaurant. Guess what? It's my day off. I don't need smoke today. Okay. You know, for us, it was a natural transition. We do a lot of to go as it is. And I look at some of these other restaurants. I've got a great restaurant operator in Philly. Her name is Kim Strangari. She owns a place called the Gypsy Saloon. And it's a great little spot. Uh, Her and her partner have done a really good job as two. Uh, women, business women, two people who uh, are, are, are just crushing it on a daily basis. They work really hard. They're constantly in the restaurants with their finger on the pulse of the business. They do a really nice job and it's good to watch, but they're busting their asses right now. You know, they're working their balls off just to get, you know, the couple thousand dollars that they can get into the restaurant during the day, which is, you know, a 10th in some cases of what their sales were prior to. So th- I'm just going to give this to you really fast, but um, this says, I don't think we as a society are fully grasping how fucking dire and dystopian this can get. Says Andy Ricker, the chef and part and owner of pork, pop, uh, of pop, pop um, restaurant group. And in, in the weeks following the March 17 order um, to shutter dining rooms and slow the, the COVID uh, slow, the spread of all of this, um, seven of this guy's restaurants started operating as takeout and delivery. Um, you know, Floyd Cardo's, uh, on March 25th died from complications of COVID. Um, you know, we're seeing a couple of other chefs. I just read this morning that Nancy Silverton has it now. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on with all of this, but, you know, at the same time, I, I, I think that, We're seeing this comfort amongst people throughout the country, um, you know, and especially with restaurants, you know, I mean, we... Uh, We are super clean in the restaurant, man. We are sanitizing uh, POS screens and delivery screens and the phone after each use. My entire kitchen staff is in gloves and washing hands on a a regimented basis. Because I'm like, stop what you're doing, wash your hands. I'm not worried about getting that rack of ribs out. Right now, we got to wash our hands. You know, we're cleaning the restaurant during the downtime of what we have at the same time. You know, really pulling tables from walls and and scrubbing down stations again and and sanitizing and, you know, bleaching cutting boards at the end of nights and then running them back through just to make sure that we don't have any opportunity for a foodborne illness, for any form of transmission of COVID or anything else that's out there. Because guess what? In the same time, we're in the middle of flu season. You know, so it's just it's just exacerbated across the board the the level of opportunity for people to get sick. And, you know, I'm trying to take better care of myself with what I'm doing. You know, I mean, I've lost about 17 pounds in the last, what, three weeks, which is weird in itself because of what I'm about to tell you guys and what we're about to talk about. But. I uh I'm trying to take better care of myself, you know, I'm I'm really making sure that I'm I'm kind of stretching it out a little bit in the mornings and you know so that I don't get hurt, I'm trying to up my immune system by eating, you know, a better quality of food with some of the stuff that I am doing while I'm at home. The next couple of statements that we're going to make are not going to warrant the eating better or talk or, or really showcase the world of eating better, but what I'm finding is that Uh, people uh, all in all are a little bit more, uh, respectful right now. They've slowed down a little bit. They're a little bit nicer, a little bit more gracious, not as judgmental. Um, you know, it's funny. I had a couple that came into the restaurant two nights ago and they were waiting for their food, and they both had masks on and gloves, and which is what we, we love. We only allow three people in the restaurant at any given moment. This was a husband and wife team. And they'd both walked in, and they were getting antsy because of the fact that they placed their order for a pickup. Um, you know, They had called. Uh, instead of putting an order online, it takes a little bit longer to put the order in through calling, especially when you've got you know – we're dealing with four delivery services as well. So I'm trying to maximize as much as I can, the business coming into the restaurant at the same time, trying to put out a really quality product. And you could tell that the, the woman was getting very antsy. She's looking at her watch. She's kind of shifting her feet back and forth. The husband's getting a little nervous. He's starting to kind of mill around the restaurant, um, you know, walking inside, coming, you know, walking outside, coming back in, um, you know, and we probably were about 10 to 15 minutes because we had about 30 orders that were placed all at the same time all for pickup at the same time we're a one to two man kitchen it's a really tiny little space we've got small a small, small window that's four inches wide you know so we set food up there and if a servers not there to pick it up immediately it's gonna stay there for a little bit you know so we're making adjustments at the same time. But I walked out and I said, hey, how's everybody doing? The woman's like, uh, you know, well, I guess we probably should have just put our order in online. It would have happened much faster. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry about that. And she uh, she kind of came back at me. Well, you know, well, that's not getting my food. I said, actually, you know what? We dropped your food on the ground and we're in the process of putting it all back in the container for you. My sarcasm, I don't think, went across as well as I had hoped it would. Uh, you know, we're a barbecue spot. We're not pretentious. We're joking around with you. We've got loud music. And I hate to tell you, but Friday night was punk rock night, man. We were listening to punk in the restaurant through most of the evening. Uh, so we were maybe a little bit more aggressive than we should have been. But, uh, you know, a, a couple of other people, the, the one other person that was in the restaurant kind of laughed about it. There was somebody who was waiting to come in. They heard it through the front door. You know, they kind of laughed about it she got her food in about one minute after that, but it's like, you know, we're all kind of doing the same thing. We're trying to be safe. We're trying to provide a service. I'm trying to make sure that my staff still has a job. Um, you know, we're doing our best to make this stuff work and, you know, if you're going to get pissed off because you got to wait a couple seconds, go, you know, go outside and sit at a table and 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 just let us know. I mean, I think everybody, you know, I, I, there was somebody wrote a nasty review of somebody on the Facebook restaurant community the other day. and And the woman I was talking about a minute ago, Kim, she actually had a wonderful response back. And she said, hey, look, like, give us a break for a second. A lot of these restaurants are used to plating, you know, with tweezers you know they're putting food on a plate in a very artfully presented way and or in a, a very artistic manner and you know now we're having to put things into go boxes you know you're not getting the same quality of food that you would before and we love the support my god i cannot tell you how much i love the support of what's been happening but we need to slow it down just for a second and realize that a lot of these restaurant people, you know, they're, they're doing things that they've never done before. And on top of that, we're giving the responsibility to another human being to get that food to you in a safe, in, a, in a, a, a tasty, responsible manner with some of these delivery services that are out there. I had a woman who walked in the restaurant the other night. She was my delivery driver. She was probably 65 or 70 years old, you know, and she walks in the, thing and the first thing that she does when she walks in is she starts to cough into her hand and i said can i help you and she said i'm your caviar driver and i said can you do me a favor please and go into the back of the restaurant and will you wash your hands and i'd like you to please put gloves on and she was kind of offended for a second and then she finally went back and uh and my cook told me later that she actually never changed her gloves out that the door was open to the bathroom and she kind of washed her hands with the gloves on and not her arms, not her forearm. She just ran some soap and water over her hands and rubbed them for a second and came back out. But it's like my guests, I, I, and I don't know what happened after that. I don't know the order. It's not like I could call the guest. She walked out. My, my cashier said, you're number 22, grab your food and rock and roll. You know, um, that stuff is kind of weird to us. Uh, you know, we're we're putting the responsibility of our food into somebody else's hand. Which is weird. I just can't fathom that the at the level and the and the volume that we're doing it right now. So um, but on another token, with the idea of takeout food or fast food in reality, which is what a lot of us are starting to become as fast food operators, um we, I have eaten more fast food in the last three weeks than I have in my life. I'm not lying to you. I'm not shitting you. Wendy's, Burger King, uh, and um, I, and Checkers. I'm gonna tell you that out of all of them, I think that Wendy's fries are good. I think that Burger King has a great burger, but I think that uh, that Checkers. Crushes it in the burger world with the Big Buford. A double Big Buford probably has fourteen thousand calories. Probably is uh, you know ten thousand grams of sodium. I mean, it's just uh, it's it's a a full blown exaggeration of what you should be eating. And it's just a great fucking burger, man. Look, hey, McDonald's, I'm sorry, you guys just suck. Uh, you're just not as good at the burger world as everybody else is. I will tell you this: the egg McMuffin and the sausage McMuffin with cheese is one of the most comforting breakfast things that I think that you can eat. A, a an iced coffee and uh, a breakfast sandwich from McDonald's. There's just something comforting about that. It's an easy world, but but you guys, you know, you got to step up your game in the burger world. It's just not that good which is kind of odd and ironic, and I'd love it. Look, the McDLT was one of my favorite things because you got cold and you got hot, okay? Uh, The McRib, yeah, not a big fan of that at all, Um, but when you get into, like, the Big Mac could still be considered a great burger if you're getting it fresh. Like, I had a Burger King burger the other day that was off of the grill, and it was awesome. It was a great burger, juicy, when, when something runs down my arm in a juice level from a sandwich, we're having a conversation because that's a good stuff right there. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you all the, the pros that you need in that world. Cause you deserve that accolades to you for putting a great burger out. Wendy's, I think you're kind of a middle of the road, mediocre world to live in when it comes to there, but you guys still have a good burger, but man, the big Buford coming out of checkers. Is something that that needs to be discussed because it's a great fast food burger. Okay, so much so that I'm going to run burgers at the restaurant this week because we're going to do some really funky burgers at this week um, that I'm pretty happy about. So but. What I'm getting to is that my next guest knows so much about this fast food business that I wanted to have him on. I wanted to talk to him. He's a great personality. He's a good culinary brain. He's got a lot of history and a lot of knowledge behind him. And he knows a lot about McDonald's because guess what? He was on the executive team for McDonald's making burgers for many years. So everybody do me a favor. Welcome to Duffified Live for this week. Let's talk about some fast food. Let's talk to Mike Harris. Morning, Chef. Good morning. How are we? Uh, not too shabby, man. In the uh, in 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 the crazy world that we're living of in course, right now. Yeah. I think hopefully, okay. hopefully,
1: everyone's yeah. Hopefully, everyone's doing uh, being safe as as safe as they can be. And this is definitely a uh, a different time than I think our industry has seen in quite a while. So,
0: yeah. What what are you doing to uh, comply or what are you doing to kind of make your life a little easier right now?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, before everything really hit, um, we didn't go overboard. Obviously we didn't buy all the toilet paper, but, uh, definitely got enough, uh, dry goods and stocked up on frozen foods and, and all that. Uh, I do have two kids. So when you got the kids involved, you you definitely want to be a little extra safe, so we're just hanging out at home, and I'm playing as many video games as I can and reading books and, you know, all that fun stuff.
0: How many kids do you have? You have two. two. I'm sorry. How,
1: how old are your kids? Uh, one is just about three, and the other one is five
0: months old, two daughters. Oh, so you've got, like, just little baby ones.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, so I'm working. So, like, oh, the daycare God. being closed is like, oh, Now nah, this is less stuff I could get done than normal. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs>
0: Oh my god, playing dress up. You're going to be wearing lipstick pretty soon. Nail, I got gotcha.
1: yeah, pumped out. I've got I've had some eyeliner. I've had yeah. eyeliner already, so
0: I've uh, I've got I've got 19 and 16, so yeah, I've already I, been through uh
1: I, Oh, you're you're turning log- over. I started late.
0: Uh yeah, no, I'm still in it. I'm still in. It. I still pay for everything.
1: Oh, of so. course. Oh, I'm sure they're
0: uh, probably
1: just, more expensive, I'm assuming as they get older.
0: So, we're we're actually recording this a little bit early. Uh, But I'm actually leaving for Jacksonville, Florida on Sunday because I've got to go down and pick up my daughter.
1: Ah, gotcha.
0: Yeah, so i got to go down and get her out of school, get all her stuff, and then bring her back up here. All in the middle of restaurant shutdowns all over the country. So this should be
1: fun. Oh, yeah, that's going to be – are you driving or flying? I'm
0: driving down because uh, she's got so much stuff and – rather than me hop on a plane and Yeah, that's true. Myself... Why was I
1: even thinking like if you're bringing yeah. a bunch of stuff, why would I assume you're flying? That was yeah. pretty stupid of me. But, yeah, but I right. could
0: have... I probably could have flown down and then just rented a car and come ah, back yeah. up. But I just don't feel like getting in a plane again.
1: No, especially now. I mean, I have a feeling there's going to be... It's going to be like that for a little while. Um, so, yeah.
0: You think they're going to shut them down?
1: I don't know about shut them down. Um... But I'm assuming they're going to be extra cautious. They might do a lot less people per flight. I have, I mean, I have no idea. This is just what I would assume. Right. Uh, keeping safe distances. Um, I do have some buddies that unfortunately were like, yeah, we're going to Hawaii because the cheap flights are cheap. Yeah. Like, okay. I mean, if you are a single young adult and you don't mind potentially being stranded for quite a while, awesome. Go for um, it. Right? yeah, but definitely be safe. It's not about you. It's if you're carrying it and you have no symptoms, but you're right. next to my grandmother, that is when I have a problem. so
0: right exactly. i uh, I was looking at airline at flights as well. I'm like, I couldn't believe it and I was looking at cities I'd never been before and then and and then all of a sudden, St. Patrick's Day, not even St. Patrick's Day, really that Sunday hit, and I was like, this shit's real, man. This is big. This is big time. Oh yeah, you know, my man, uh, this is my birthday was
1: on the 16th, so it was. This was like the first birthday that it was like, ah, nobody cares. And not be, you know. Normally I'm like, I don't, I wanna, I don't want to do anything. But right. now it was like eerily, like nothing going on. So
0: yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a super weird week. I know a bunch of friends of mine who had birthdays on the 16th and 17th, and it was just kind of like, hey, happy birthday, good luck you yeah. know like
2: yeah, they got the down, full
0: blown everyone. shit end of the of the stick on that one
1: absolutely
0: so wow. hey uh why don't we kind of tell people who you are what you do and how they can follow you sure, before sure right before I take my dog and throw her out the window.
1: (laughs) Awesome. So my name is Mike Harris. Um, I've been a sort of a research and development chef for many, many years. Uh, Very different than a lot of the, uh, you know, restaurant chef type. I spent many years in back of house in restaurants, fine dining, corporate chains, country clubs and stuff like that. Uh, Went to culinary school in the dream of wanting to open up my own restaurant. Then when you learn how difficult the hours, the life, and, you know, I I experienced that working, I was like, you know what? I don't want to open up my own restaurant. Mm. Uh, So that's where I kind of learned about sort of the R&D, product development, recipe development, and food science route. Um, So I've been in kind of the either food manufacturing, recipe development, and product development world now for, I don't know, 20 years. Um, The big, you know, the ones of notes is that I was a – the Manager of Culinary Innovation for the U.S. Menu for McDonald's for about four years. Uh, Oh, yeah. recently left them about six months ago, Um, and I went to a flavor company for a little bit. And actually, as of right now, I'm a free agent. Um, I uh, was fortunate enough to take part in some Wendy's uh, national commercials and social stuff um, and also wanted to do – oh, yeah. And also wanted to do more in that kind of social space. Um, so see if I could do some cooking that way or if there's a brand that wants to use me as their, you know, throw me on a commercial, I'm more than happy to do that as well. So, yeah, it's definitely a changing stuff going on in my career and then lay that on top of what's going on in the world. So it's, uh, it's, it's a little crazy at the moment, but lots of things going on. That is your wife.
0: Does your wife work?
1: Uh, yeah, she's just a, uh, project manager for like a software company. So okay. she already pretty easy for her to work from home and be, right. uh, you know, off mobile stuff. So, um, so yeah, we're just hanging out. And like I said, we got the kids
0: and doing what we do. So where did, did you go to culinary school?
1: Yeah, I went to uh, Johnson and Wales in Providence. Uh, okay. Uh, and yeah. then I have a degree in culinary arts and culinary nutrition. So at the time, That was um, the only kind of food science route. Oh, yeah. So it was – I either would be a registered dietitian or in that food science product development world, and that's the uh, direction I went.
0: Now, did you go – did you take more classes moving as you went on to kind of fall further into that R&D world and that food science world?
1: Um, A little bit. So I did my first two years of culinary there, and I worked in the industry since I was uh, 15, Cooking and stuff. The first two years of culinary school, super easy for me. Right. So then I could have went two more years of general culinary. At the time, I was like, you know what? I kind of a lot of that I could learn in a restaurant if I need to. You know, that, that kind of thing. So I took a path of like I don't know anything about. Let's say uh, medical nutrition therapy or right. product development or any of those. So I went that route. My last two years of culinary school got. A little harder, uh because it was once again stuff I was not, you know, yeah. already familiar with. Um and then, you know, from there, like I said, I, I got a gig even before I graduated. So I've been doing uh doing that route ever since.
0: Now who did you work with first?
1: I worked for a company called Orville Kent Foods so they made uh, a variety of like refrigerated prepared stuff you would find in either supermarkets, chain restaurants, schools, hospitals, military. So if you're going down the uh, you know any of the aisles in, in the supermarket, um you know I I made actually quite a bit of stuff for them so they don't have their own brand but they co-manufactured for a lot of people. So right. the Walmart deli counter, Sam's and Costco like Take and bake pizzas or the stuff that they serve in, the, um, you know, prepackaged food items and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, I worked for a company called Seafood America for a year Mm -hmm. and created uh, frozen seafood products that were used in every major grocery store chain in the world.
1: Nice. Oh, yeah. Think of the volume of people that you feed with those. It's I mean, I I, my friends will be like, dude, you sold out, you know, I'm working at restaurants, you're making (laughs) very affordable macaroni salad and stuff. I'm like, Yes, but I'll call you Friday, Saturday, or Sunday night, ask if you want to go out and you ain't doing anything.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I uh it it was a, a huge change in the world for me. Like I didn't know. I really didn't know what to do. I went from being the corporate exec for uh, God. I guess at that point we had twelve restaurants. You know, I was the corporate exec for twelve restaurants. I was I was doing inventory every Sunday night in another restaurant, closing one down every Saturday, and I finally was like, I just I'm done, done. Right. And I it's, went into the R and D side,
1: right? And it's it's a very hard thing to switch your brain. Um, Now, the reason I know you, one of my very favorite shows and one that I feel is a good representation of how to open a restaurant or even that R&D mentality is, of course, The Bar Rescue. Oh, yeah. Um, We did that. And the reason why I liked it is because even though obviously it is a TV show, neither here nor there, but when uh, you guys start talking about like statistical facts – there is only a certain amount of people in this area who will come to you. Why are you doing this flavor? When you're yeah. in that R&D setting, even though you know, I would love to make the fanciest, most expensive thing, if you kind of understand your consumer or your customer base, whether you're developing something for a restaurant or a national-launched menu item right. in a huge fast food place, you just need to understand – who the customer is, why you're doing it, what your constraints are, you know, what are they willing to pay, what ingredients can you use, and you kind of formulate it in that world. And it's very much – it does not matter what Chef Mike likes. I am making it for a consumer. What right. does the consumer want? And that is a hard lesson for a lot of chef folks who try to switch over to the other side, if you will.
0: I think that that I mean, it's so funny because I say that on a daily basis. You know, I was I was with a friend of mine this past weekend and his wife kept saying something in regards to I don't know why you guys let the servers wear yoga pants. You know, like (laughs) they should have a, a uniform that doesn't involve yoga pants. And I said, well, no offense. It really doesn't have anything to do with you. It's got right. nothing to do with you. I said, "Let me see your ring," and she showed me this beautiful diamond ring, and it had a whole bunch of cl- like a whole bunch of diamonds around it. And I said, "That is from the construction guy who works across the street, uh, building the hotel right now. That is from the beer distributor who comes in here and throws down a couple hundred dollars because they like the girls in yoga pants. You yes, know, it has yep, nothing yep. to do with you or me. We have to think outside of the box, and in reality." For me, when I got into that R&D world, that was something that hit me really hard. It really didn't have anything to do with me. They were like, let's create a new profile, a new flavor, and I'm like, boom, 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 here you go. Now, luckily for us, it worked. It was nice, but I had some failures, some big-time failures. Oh, and especially absolutely. coming out of the restaurant industry, especially the high volume that I was on overseeing 12 restaurants, You know, at that point, I walk in and I'm guns blazing. By three months in, I was nine months ahead of schedule. Like, they're like, <laughs> like we these just recipes we are developed. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, these are ready to go. You know, everybody loved them. We did our flavors. We did our tasting. We did everything ready to rock and roll. And then they're like, okay, well, we just started making this one. We can't make them all at the same time. So right, yeah. that was actually the downfall of my R&D development.
1: Sure. Days. Sourcing of ingredients, you know, making sure the equipment can produce it appropriately and accurately. Shelf life studies. Um, yeah. When I, you know, when I work for McDonald's, it's I spent more time behind mirrored glass serving consumers stuff. And some of the things I would hear like would destroy my brain. So I'm also like, um. I'm a, I'm a certified barbecue judge, and I do, like, KCBS barbecue competitions on the side. Okay. So we were doing, a, like, a some kind of barbecue burger or chicken or whatever it was, and I made this banging barbecue sauce that, like, you know, people on the circuit would be like, this is legit. This is how you do it. <laughs> so I serve a bunch of McDonald's consumers this, and they're like – what is this? Why can't you just put the McRib sauce on everything? Oh, like what do you do? God. What are you talking about? So and once again it's like, okay, that is that is the consumer three, base. Three other guys in white chef
0: coats are holding
1: you back like you're getting ready oh, to start banging on the mirror. It happens every time. This was and like four <laughs> years ago, like, hey, let's do Sriracha. And there are consumers out there who still have no idea what sriracha is. They haven't right. even heard of it. There are so many consumers that are not you know, you know, foodies or um, on social media, like a majority of Americans don't really care, and I wouldn't say don't care, but are not like that's not their thing. It's just um, not. But sure. then, then you have a, a a good vocal minority who kind of help get the trends going and things like that, as far as you know, high end restaurants getting new ingredients and how that trend curve happens in our society. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a very different world. It was interesting to be in that big machine like McDonald's in my previous life, developing a lot of things for your Walmarts and, you know, Costco's and Sam's Clubs and all that fun stuff. Um, but I do – I definitely can do both sides. So if you want the hippish, trendy ingredient, fancy, you know, expensive thing, I do that. But like right. I said, it's – depending on who my customer is, I have to know, uh, you know, make things for them and not assume that they want my awesome creation
0: so how are you guys in that world kind of how are you staying ahead of the trend or in reality kind of making the trend in that way i mean look sriracha for you guys to create a product it's not like you 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 drop a burger on a on a griddle and you throw some srotch on top and, and a bun and you say, okay, we're going to roll this out in 190 million stores, whatever it is. Like what is your, how, how long is your process for that?
1: Sure. So, um, in a, in a restaurant setting like that, if it is, let's say current ingredients, you're not adding anything new to the restaurant in any capacity. It still may take six to nine months because you have to do ingredient nutritional information, Um, You know, in a huge corporate setting, you have to train, you know, McDonald's in the U.S. had 250,000 employees that work in kitchens. So you have to train people to then train people to then train your crew, Um, developing your whole marketing. You know, unfortunately, when you're in a big company, it's not just food. Let's go. There's usually a whole marketing calendar of when you're launching new menu items that might coincide with. Events, You know, obviously when Super Bowl happens, things like wings and dips and, you know, spicy things and shareable appetizers are more trendy versus, let's say, in the winter when everybody's at home. Um, So you definitely cycle a menu to, you know, um, handle what's going on in the world as well. But then there's also long-term huge projects. So I was part of at McDonald's um, launching the new – well, they're not new anymore, but the uh, Buttermilk Crispy Tenders. Uh, And that was a project that took two and a half years, not only because of all the work that was involved, but all the testing. You'd put it in one restaurant for a month, then you'd move it to 10 restaurants, then you do 50 restaurants, then you do a region and you're acquiring data, making little adjustments to the product. Are people willing to pay this much? And then uh, manufacturing of, you know, when we launched, we needed to have something like 20 million pounds of ready-to-go chicken tenders in freezers before, okay, it's time to start serving, while they're also continually making more and more and more. And then within one month, we actually uh, undershot what we needed and broke supply, so then we had to stop selling for a whole month just to catch (laughs) up. So like all these huge, ridiculous things that normally you wouldn't have to worry about when you're in a, a monster of a company serving... 31 million people a day in the U.S. and 60 million uh, worldwide, sourcing a blueberry or sourcing, uh, you know, lettuce is a huge, huge task.
0: Now, is that is that something that you're working on as well as that sourcing portion of it or was there somebody else kind of in um, that? In, a in that little
1: role? bit? Um, basically, it'd be more quality control. You know, as a chef, I tried on a bill to make sure that it's what we're expecting. But as far as numbers, uh, things of that nature, getting uh, suppliers to come in and you know sign the contracts, there are whole departments that handle that portion of the business, especially in a big company like that. Um, some of the smaller manufacturers. So I've worked for a variety of really small manufacturers. Sometimes that is sort of the culinary or the research and development department to uh, test and approve those ingredients and what could be used uh, in the facility. So it, just, it really much just depends on the company and how uh, how they're structured.
0: Huh? Now, I mean, is there kind of a at what point? You were there for how long? Five years? Uh, about about four years. Yeah, about four years what 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 was one of your cuz I know I had humbling moments I mean when I did it just in my 365 day stint along with this maniacal company that I worked for what what were I had some humbling moments where like all right I get it I get it it's just not going to work it's just not going to it's just not going to happen did you I mean, how many of those did you have in that 4 year period and um, and what were some of them
1: sure so constantly happens all the time um you know I wasn't the boss there were a lot of, you know, it was a, an enormous company. So there would be times that, let's say, the marketing department, the marketing department would say, you know what, we don't like this flavor profile. We're going to go with this one instead. Um, you know, and that's a decision they make without really consulting the culinary folks. So it was, uh, okay, I mean, that fits on the calendar. That's what you want. Um, you know, I use that example of the barbecue sauce. I did a variety of different burger builds and different, like, dipping sauces. Um, You know, I was fortunate. One of the funniest things to me, though, was... So I happened to be a part of the whole Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce uh, fiasco. So I was kind of the guy that brought that back. Because on Twitter, somebody was like, we should do this. And I was like, "Ah, I'll see what I can do. Uh, And then the internet exploded. But the sauce is not good. The consumer's... Did not. It, it doesn't taste very good at all. It was like thickened soy sauce. It was. It was made in '98, and the reason why it came and gone is because like eh, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't that great, but like a million plus consumers wanted this sauce. Really? So you. So okay. So let's bring back a really crappy sauce so everybody could get one of them, and right. then nobody's gonna buy it anymore. And okay, like I get. There's the business behind it that um you know makes sense to do something like that i'm like i could make the sauce better but that's not what the consumers want they want want the exact you know the exact sauce from back in the day so little things like that where it's you know what my opinion is irrelevant is this good for business you know if working in a single restaurant i would imagine you have to make those decisions as well like oh i want to serve you know my authentic polish cuisine at wherever. And if you're in a location right. where consumers don't want Polish food, you've made a horrible choice. So start over.
0: What, I mean, I think, what is it that you, where's where the process of, okay, we sell more chicken nuggets than anybody else in the world. What is it that says, okay, let's put a new one into the market like a buttermilk tender? Sure. So, obviously, it's a chicken nugget versus a tender. I get all that. But but it, in, in the realm of it, I mean, what is the marketing? Behind? Is it is it geared towards adults?
1: Absolutely. You know I mean? So obviously uh, something like a chicken McNugget uh, is definitely more family oriented. It's good for kids. Adults obviously like them because they had them as kids. They grow older. You know, right. they like the taste. They've had them. Um It's about price point. So you look at On your menu, you know, you could get 10 chicken nuggets for 199, or you get premium three-piece chicken tenders for $399. When you're doing sort of a menu evaluation, especially in a size of a huge fast food chain, you're also looking at your competition. You're seeing how much actual share of chicken sales you have versus the other big guys. So You know, there is a finite number of consumers who go out and eat food. It's a little different than when you have a dozen restaurants or, you know, one uh, or a mom and pop place. So we look at, hey, can we steal 5% of the chicken business from Wendy's and bring it over to McDonald's by adding this menu item? The other things that are difficult are menu cannibalization. If we're not actually attracting new consumers with this menu item, are we taking somebody who is buying chicken nuggets at a food and paper or a food cost? You know, you make X amount of pennies every time you sell it. Are we making less money by them now ordering something else from the menu instead of that original thing? So cannibalism of the menu is is incredibly important. And when you're in a big. Company like McDonald's, it might be harder to see in like you have one restaurant to see those trends. But if a half a percent of people are now buying a less profitable item, a half a percent times 14,000 restaurants in the right. United States That's is absolutely. hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. So the sample size, you will notice those little things that other restaurants might never even realize it had an effect on whatsoever. So there's. Right. A lot of, lot of number crunching
0: and whatnot. So, I mean, you're no longer with the company, but I'm going to ask this question pretty straightforward. <laughs> you know, I've always said for years, we, uh, you know, I have somebody who come in, comes into the restaurant and they say, you know, oh my God, $14 for a burger, that's crazy. And, and my response to that is, but you're going to buy the 10 chicken nuggets for $1.99, <laughs> but you're not questioning what is in that chicken nugget. Huh? Like, I mean, how, you know, I mean, look, I, there's, there's a stigma that goes along with that. I mean, Absolutely. there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of, when I eat McDonald's, look, I get tired as shit afterwards.
1: Yep. It is you calorically know? dense. Um, you know, there are things like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like it the way goes, you put yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we'll say I, I've been media trained. Yes. Dense. Well done. So <laughs> thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but it comes down to, and as a chef, it hurts me to say that there are a variety of reasons. Uh, why people eat and buy food items that aren't necessarily the quality and the taste of the food item? Is it convenient? Is it right. you're already going there to get your kids something, so you're going to get something? Uh, is it you are on a budget and need to get that? Are you in a food desert where the only options you have for restaurants are fast food? Um, is it nostalgic? Do you like, you know what? I remember as a kid I had a Big Mac, so I that flavor – you know, has carried through uh, my entire life and I can eat a Big Mac and like, oh, I remember when I first had one of these. Um, the marketing, the reason why, you know, the, the, something you a thousand billboards on your drive of red and gold and these golden arches like subconsciously make you go to McDonald's to order something. So there are so many reasons why people uh, will eat and buy food like i said that is not necessarily i want the best quality of a thing it's you know i'm hungry right now i've got five minutes to eat what am i going to get um and to your point with the you know taking the chef hat off for a little bit and being the business understanding the consumer you know that's something that you have to handle and deal with um And then from a development standpoint, it's like, yes, my goal was always to try to how do I make McDonald's better? How can we remove these artificial flavors, colors, preservatives? How do we sell more chicken, um, less filler and things like that? So then you go ahead and develop a new chicken nugget that has 100 percent meat, less breading. We bake it in the oven. And all those consumers who said they want a nicer, healthier, better thing do not come to your restaurant and order it. Right. So then it falls off the menu, and you're back to square one again. I mean, I,
0: I guess – so what is your – what was your go-to item for you while eating at a McDonald's?
1: Once we rolled out that fresh beef quarter pounder, um, that's, that's, that was a great move. So we went from a whole supply chain and in restaurants of holding beef in the freezers to now we were getting shipments of fresh – beef patties um, that we can cook in the restaurant. The hardest part about though, I mean, it was incredibly difficult to do, if you think about the supply chain. All the facilities that had to grind meat and make those frozen patties now have to make refrigerated patties. They have to be packaged in a way that meets a specific shelf life. They have to be warehoused in refrigerators instead of freezers. Every <laughs> re, every uh, frozen truck now has to be a refrigerated truck. You are storing it in a different spot in the restaurant. The shelf life of it has changed. The cook times have changed. So, right. like... The monstrosity of making what you would think in a normal setting is "Eh, it's a little different. It's a little bit of a change. It's still ground meat in a when you're in a volume like that. It is such a difficult task to uh, convert anything like that uh, uh, within your restaurant. Um, That just takes so long to do. But I think that was a great quality uh, plus up. Um, And then the the Egg McMuffin sub regular bacon instead of Canadian bacon. I mean, you can't really go wrong with that.
0: I'm a sausage, egg and cheese guy
1: gets the job done. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Are you ever think, you know, when you're sitting at your desk or you're sitting in the kitchen and you're kind of making these items, are you ever kind of chuckling to yourself and being like, man, supply is going to hate me on this? Oh, uh,
1: there there's been projects where, all right, (laughs) we're ready. We're ready to go. And then last minute, they're like, oh, project's canceled. So a good a good story is. Um it was we, they were doing something where they were really going to push a new like breakfast parfait and they were going to put um like fresh blueberries in this parfait. So tested it in specific spots, all looking good. This is great. Right at the end in the last minute, they're like, "Oh, unfortunately there isn't a, you know, third pan spot in the line to hold these blueberries for us to serve it efficiently." so project is canceled so if you wow. look at your prep table and you know how if you have sure. like let's say a third pan a little nice clear cambro of blueberries because it couldn't fit anywhere in that table and how much problems that would cause nationwide like <laughs> yeah not, not gonna do it they tried to do so a fun. like a shrimp po'boy sandwich it was like this was like a paper concept so you look in the supply chain and be like all right how how can we how can we do this they're like if you were to launch this item, you would buy all the shrimp. Like, okay, so like how long to No, 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 no. You would deplete the world's resource of that size of shrimp if you were to launch this item. There just isn't enough of that ingredient in the really? entire world to handle a launch at McDonald's. Okay, wow, well, that's yeah.
0: unbelievable, dude.
1: Right? And if and if you think of like produce and food spoilage, sure. how much lettuce Uh, Goes on burgers and stuff like that with those short shelf lives, like how long you have to keep
0: growing and washing and cutting and shipping like it's a nightmare. And who so who's handling? I mean, is that a when it comes to the ordering level of that? So I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a McDonald's franchise E And I'm buying a property and you guys are launching a new product. Are you saying, okay, you guys are now going to need to add an additional 12 cases of shredded lettuce to your orders or are they just kind of figuring it out on their own?
1: Um, It's a little bit of both. So there's actually a bunch of systems and processes in place um, to automatically determine like these are how many cases you have. Here's sales numbers from last year at this time. Here's what's going on in the current environment. And there's actually um, like software to help determine how much you need to have on hand. In a restaurant like McDonald's, it goes even further because there is a lot of items that need to be prepped or that have a certain hold time. So there is an hour-by-hour sheet of you need to have – six portions of chicken breast ready to go at any time. You need to have this amount of chicken McNuggets fried up and ready to go. You need to cook. So like it goes down to, um, you know, very detailed. Um, and you also compare that against the, uh, the employees it is geared towards, and you know, I don't working in a restaurant is incredibly difficult. It's a hard task. But there are times when your kitchen staff at a fast food restaurant are a bunch of kids who don't really want to be there. Of course, So you have to actually develop things as easy as possible. That's one of the other difficult tasks is making a new thing. So like our um, buttermilk crispy tenders that we were glazing in barbecue sauce. I was like, OK, give everybody a bowl, ladle some spoon, you know, ladle yeah. some <laughs> sauce into it and toss it in a bowl. And they're like, uh, nope, nope, you not need- going to happen. So they developed a container with a lid and like a, a sauce gun to accurately add the sauce and then like, OK, close the lid, shake it forward nine times, shake it back eight times. You're going to want to, you know, use a spatula to put them in the container like this whole process as opposed to why can't they just toss it in a bowl? Like, I don't. That's what restaurants do. And like, right. not, not these restaurants, not these, not this talent pool. So uh, yeah, the operation constraint is very difficult as well.
0: I remember when I was working with that company and we were trying to get them involved in a fish program where they would utilize – so we used to make this crab cake and this stuffing and all this other stuff. And we were trying to get them to use it more in their stuffed fish program. So I go into a couple – you know, into like one of the major chains and I get up on stage and I'm showcasing and I'm showing – all of these seafood managers how to, one, take a piece of flounder, lay it on a, on a tray, scoop two or three or four ounces, whatever it was, of this stuffing on top of there. Take another piece of flounder. Oh,
1: that's already too many steps. I mean, come cut,
0: on. <laughs> cut a slice, you know, a half inch from the tip, a half inch from the tail, and then lay it on top of it and then Open it up so that you can see the stuff. And it was like the faces just glazed over. They wanted no part of this. They no. want to take it out of a box. They want to put it on a tray. And they yep. just want to sell it. They yep. don't want to have that work.
1: That is uh, That was my life. That is yeah. it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. And and especially in a big franchisee organization where they have a lot of say. So sure. my, my customers were not just consumers who went to McDonald's, it was pretty much the owner operators that we do all these tests. We do a 50 restaurant test on an item. We'd have to show them all the numbers we'd have to show them. And then basically we're pitching to our own employees. Hey guys, you should do this. That's one of the reasons why like a McRib does not come back to every single restaurant. The regions actually vote on specific rotating menu items. So if a region is like, you know what? We don't want to do McRib this year. You know, a good portion of the country does not get the McRib. A bunch of consumers complain. Why haven't you brought it back to me? Chef Mike, you know, I got I used to get blamed for a lot of things. Chef Mike, why did you not bring back the McRib? And I'm like, I'm a cog in the machine. I don't make those decisions. Nobody in this building does. Your local restaurant owners you know, kind of vote on if they want it. So, so where,
0: where do you see that world kind of moving forward? Where do you see, what changes are you seeing that's within your experience of being involved in so long? Where, what's the next direction for them?
1: To me being kind of in that world, I feel like the food system in the top 200 chains is a pendulum. You go from one side, which was let's mass produce everything, make it cheap, quick, fast. Give it to me now. Don't care what's in it. Um, and then I'd say maybe th- four years ago, four and a half years ago, basically right when I started at McDonald's, they were removing artificial ingredients. You know, oh. a lot of, of um, you know, fresher ingredients, less frozen stuff, removed preservatives from uh, ice cream and things. Like that at the time. A lot of consumers wanted that. Now, if you look at today's climate right this second and people are now going to be, you know, potentially quarantined, shut in. Everything about I want clean ingredients probably went out the door and it's give me canned goods, give me frozen foods, give me things that last a long time. I need to hunker down and feed my family for whatever. I don't care so much about the clean ingredient statement. I need to feed my family and let it last. So it will be actually interesting to see what food trends come out of the next couple months. Right. Um, similar, like why is spam so popular in Hawaii? Well, yeah. during war times, it was one of the big food sources that they had. People got used to eating it. People incorporated it into their every everyday diet, and now sure. it's like, oh, look at Hawaii loves spam. Well, there's reasons why all those things happen, and right now we're living in a in a new food trend world where. Shipping of ingredients across international borders—it's going to be very hard to get food from other parts of the world. Um, so that's going to affect everything, you know, that we eat and ingredient availability. It's going to be
0: a very different world coming up right now. So it would be interesting to see that. It's like those, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but one of the kind of comical parts of all of this that's going on right now really are the memes. I mean, I just find them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, the one that I saw the other day that was like, you know, here's to all of those all natural chemical free people who are like, where the fuck is my Lysol? Where the fuck is my Lysol? You know, before right. they're rubbing lemon juice and uh, aloe vera on their hands as a disinfectant. And now they're like, you know, Tito's and pure rubbing alcohol. So,
1: yep, there's a there's a a difference when you're living in a prosperous first world. Everything yeah. is great. Uh, and then there's, you know, and it's not good or bad. It's not, I'm not like pro or con any of these things. It's just how people are acting and reacting and what we need to do to stay safe for what's going on right now. Um, another example could be um, I love using Aleppo chili flake. It is one of my favorite chilies. I use it in barbecue, I sprinkle it on everything. Right. It, the, the real deal is grown in Syria. Do you know how hard it is to get anything out of Syria right now? (laughs) Especially not even just wars and everything that's going on. So, like, there are so many different reasons. Um, Global warming, bee population, and honey. Manuka honey is, what, $60 a jar, depending on where you're getting it from. Um, And as climate changes, as borders close, as... You know, maybe some kind of horrific crop illness comes by and all lettuce is destroyed. Like we have to be able to react and, um, you know, deal with that. There might be ingredients that are just no longer available to you. So yeah. either, you know, you just you just can't have it anymore. There's nothing else you could do. So dealing with that'll be interesting. So uh, favorite fast food burger. Um well I'm in Chicago, so I'm a I'm a big Portillos fan. I don't know, I yeah. guess I could count as Portillo. Um but as a I burger? Kind of, yeah, they do an okay burger. Um maybe like a like smash burger of five guys. Okay. Something like that is pretty tasty. Um so it's
0: not like a Burger King or a Wendy's or anything in that. Like I love the big Buford.
1: Oh, you're going, are you ta- you're talking major fast food chains Major fast food chains so. Um I mean, I can't. You can't falter the quarter pounder when it's done right and fresh. I do love a right. baconator. I'm a bacon
0: fan. I um, did have a baconator, uh, or did I have the baconator? I had the baconator the other. For some reason, I've kind of walked. I, I started to lose a lot of weight, and I'm very happy about it. And I was like, all right, well, fuck it. I'm eating things in moderation. <laughs> I'm paying much more attention to what it is Cheat that I'm you. doing. What's that? Yeah, exactly. Cheat. So, so I will stop at a Wendy's or a Burger King. I haven't been to a McDonald's in a while other than a breakfast, but I I think I still think the fucking I still I think the Big Buford is a great sandwich. Nice. Yeah, it gets the
1: job done, too. I mean, like I said, it's one of those that it might not be that it's the greatest tasting thing. But when you were 11 years old and you went to the McDonald's, that's right by your house with a bunch of your buddies on a bike. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to try the Big Mac for the first time. I'm an adult. (laughs) I'm going to stop eating chicken nuggets. And then you realize, you know what? It's pretty darn good. And at yeah. that time, you're like, this is the best thing I've ever had. Sure. And you fast forward 40 years and you bite into that Big Mac and you're like, oh, nostalgia. This yeah. is why I like it. So it, can, it might not even necessarily be that it's great. You know, on, I was raised by non-foodie people and I, this pains me to say it, I've had – I grew up on Hamburger Helper, Cheeseburger Macaroni, Hamburger (laughs) Helper. And to this day, it's like, you
0: know what? How think we all did. We all did, though. I mean, my mother had four kids, and she was a great cook, but she would still do a Hamburger Helper. She would still do, you know, a Tuna Tetrazzini. Sure. And at the time,
1: you know, if you think about it at the time, like— I wouldn't say – that you wouldn't consider it fancy, but it was like, oh, yeah, a lot of people oh. go eat hamburger helper. That's cool. You fast yeah. forward to now and look at in ingredient statements and all that. You're like, oh, there's a, there's a lot of stuff in there, a lot of sodium, yeah. a lot of that. Um, when, I know,
0: when I did my – when I got involved in that, that R&D situation, one of the first things that I said to them was, if we want to be a major player, we've got to clean up these ingredient statements. Like they're, you know they're, they're three and a half to four inches long for a crab cake. Oh, yeah. Like, Even you put your breadcrumbs it.
1: in there. Yeah. The breadcrumbs itself have probably got a uh, whole bunch of. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. It was bad. It was really bad. And then I really wanted to clean them up for the new product. And, you know, it was a tough thing, man. It was really a very interesting world that I don't think a lot of people would ever truly understand.
1: Because it's like, um, okay, so as an example, you tell somebody, oh, we're trying to move, uh, let's see. What would be a good example of sodium acid pyrophosphate and sodium bicarbonate? We're trying to remove that from all food items, right? And somebody who has no idea what to talk about is like, Yeah, those sound horrible, but yeah. those are the two ingredients that are in baking powder that is literally baking powder, right? Sodium acid pyrophosphate and sodium bicarbonate. So, there are consumers, there's a lot of times ingredients are removed. Cleaner ingredient statements. And once again, this is not, I'm not pro or con. It's consumers decided that this ingredient is bad. There's not necessarily science behind it. Correct. There's not necessarily science behind it. It's the masses have decided they don't want that yoga mat ingredient in their bread or whatever. So then. The food industry needs to, you know, uh, carmine or carmine. It is a red food coloring that is derived from beetles. And once people find that out, they're like, that's disgusting. <laughs> and then other parts of the world, 85 percent of the world eats bugs as a food source. Right. Well, but that's disgusting. We don't want to do that here. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's definitely a uh, a little balancing act to to deal I mean, with all that fun stuff.
0: You take a look at uh, Taco Bell and the big uproar that happened because they were utilizing wheatex in their in their in their taco bell meat it was 80% beef and 20% wheatex or whatever it was but now you know they were in an uproar i mean they were the people were livid <laughs> furious it was the worst thing that ever could have happened to them but now The Beyond Burger, the Impossible Burger, all of these burgers have a a derivative or a variation of that product that's in there that creates the mouthfeel, that creates that. But now we're charging, you know, $11 in a fast food place. I
1: I obviously can't go into detail, but I have helped uh, a lot of those uh, types of products. and. You know, it goes against uh, a lot of people's idea of like, oh, I could eat a beef patty, which the ingredient statement is beef and then salt and pepper, whatever you're seasoning in it. Right. Then you switch over to that type of, you know, plant based protein and that ingredient statement is huge and it's highly processed. But some of the consumers that were against highly processed foods are now very much pro Plant-based proteins because the the education of the consumer might not be uh, you know they are not necessarily educated in those decisions,
0: um, so
1: you got to deal you, with
0: that. Did you guys make that move? I don't know. Did McDonald's make the move into a plant-based burger?
1: They were looking at it. Um, I don't think any decisions were made um, going forward. I know a lot of the competition and stuff uh, of McDonald's did some things there, but. Um, I don't think they pulled the trigger on any plant-based protein items just yet.
0: All right. So the commercial that you did for Burger King. For Wendy's. Wendy's, I'm sorry. Unless
1: Burger, if Burger King's listening, you want to show me the money. I know. Hey, Burger uh, King. I'll,
0: stop I'll a croissant sandwich.
1: Yeah, let's <laughs> do it.
0: Do you ever hear Dennis Leary? Talk about uh, the gifts that we receive from the French. He's like, the French, they give us the the croissant. What do we the do? Croissant. We turn it into the croissant, sandwich. <laughs> awesome. like we just fucked up the whole process for it. That so. Uh, so how does that come to? I mean, what was the I mean, you leave McDonald's. You're there for four and a half years. And then the next thing you know. You're doing a commercial for
1: Wendy's. Oh, yeah. So, so after I left, one of the reasons why I left McDonald's was because I wanted to do more social media stuff. So, I, okay. I'm very active on social. I do a lot of like nerds. Big,
0: big fan of your stuff. Oh, yeah. We we bother each other. I love your, you. Your dude. interaction is always really good. You know, you, you do a nice job. I mean, it, when, and I know that may sound like a weird thing, but for two people that are into social media, and and for me, Twitter is my. That's like my go-to comfort. As I enjoy well. Twitter.
1: Absolutely, because it's and more it's, adult. Yeah, and you—I mean, once you learn, I mean, I think we have the same mentality because of our age. I mean, yeah. I'm 36, but I'm 48. Oh, on. Oh, you don't look a day over 47, dude. dude You're
0: doing great. <laughs> I've been—you know what? It's that short, fat guy, and I just kind of keep the the oils flowing well. There Gives me go. good skin. I like that. I like that. But if
1: you realize that the internet isn't real, that it doesn't matter if somebody you've never heard of, you know, talks crap to you like it's it's irrelevant it doesn't matter (laughs) who cares (laughs) and like oh some famous person liked my comment it's the greatest day ever like there are there are younger people who like that kind of thing so yeah knowing how social media works and wanting to be savvy in it yeah i will comment back to as many people as humanly possible because that's its purpose that is social media that is that's the reason um but i left mcdonald's um and at the time i was like all right internet i'm your free agent let's let's go brands come come at me um and the wendy's twitter is obviously very savage uh but they're very smart and engaging yeah so they're one of those that responds to people they do some goofy fun stuff um so that was pretty on brand for what i was trying to do so i would be back and forth like oh you just sick burn to mcdonald's and we started talking Um, I kind of, and another funny little story is that Marshall Scarborough, a chef who I graduated with, uh, at Johnson and Wales was the corporate chef at Wendy's while I was a corporate chef at McDonald's. So we could not talk shot. It was like this, he was my poker buddy. Like we hung out all the time. (laughs) Both of us are like in the big, huge fast food world. Like, all right, we're doing okay. Um, But then so it was kind of reaching out. They were like, hey, would you like to maybe do a commercial? Um, You know, we're rolling out breakfast. We think it would be funny since you were a former McDonald's chef. I'm like, you know what, for social, that would be amazing. A lot of people you know, were like, do you think this is going to burn any bridges? Well, I left McDonald's. Why would they ever hire me back again? I'm wanting to do more social stuff. And unfortunately, Wendy's, or, um, McDonald's is very conservative. They don't yeah. do a lot of that fun social stuff. So I was like, all right, let's rock and roll. So we did a whole social media campaign that I guess went over so well. They called up and they're like, hey, guess what? We're going to take that footage and make a commercial out of it. Uh, I was like, heck, yeah. And, uh, they're like, Oh, we're also a SAG Afro company. So I get, you know, paid every time it airs. It's like, oh my awesome. God, awesome, yeah. dude. That's brilliant. Yeah. It was only a limited run. It was only like two and a half weeks, but, um, you know, hopefully we can, uh, I could do some fun stuff with them in the future. I got some amazing ideas that I'd
0: love to pitch them that's that would so break cool. the internet. So dude, they're really cool. And I mean that, that video in itself was just so, it was just, it was really well executed. You right. Know, I, the way that it was put together. And, and, and it was your personality from just from what I see right now of talking to you and all of definitely. that. stuff. A know, lot of really...
1: Yeah, a lot of what we filmed. So there was a loose script, but they're like, hey, go up there and say whatever you want. Um, so one of the uh, there was one of the. Ones on social media where like the, the, there were three items in front of me and they just hit record and they're like, just say a bunch of crazy stuff. So I would be looking at the burgers like, oh, my God, look at the – oh, there's some chicken over And I just made up a bunch of stuff and they're like, this is gold. So they used a bunch of that footage. That's but cool. um, but yeah, I mean it was, it was a lot of fun. It's not um, – I made sure to not talk negative about my former employee uh, – former course. employer – and then I also made sure not to compare, like, oh, this is better than that one. So, right. But then, what's funny behind the scenes? I was like, Wendy's, if you want me to do that, you're gonna have to throw me that, uh, you know, you're gonna have to throw me that flow or that, do you hear me now, guy? Money, if you yeah. want me to go be savage against my former uh, against employee. Against former, sure. Oh yeah.
0: So, so what's your what's your kind of plan moving forward <sighs> now?
1: Um, The plan now is so I am currently looking for a new full time gig. um, And I'm trying to find a company or brand that would not only can I do all the culinary product development, create products, but that would kind of support or want me to do that social media brand ambassador type role. Right. Um, You know, I love doing both. So I love getting in the kitchen and cooking, but can we make content of me doing that? Uh, Can I go hand it out at um you know a video game awards or go to some other you know twitch con or some of these other conventions that also align with my nerdiness um i think i've built the chef mike brand enough that i have enough credibility in that space where if i show up to a thing like oh this is chef mike being a goofball like no that's that's how he is that's how he rolls and Um, You know, I have the smallest of social media followings, but I do have a little bit of numbers. They're starting to grow. Um, And I just want to be in a role where I am an influencer, but I want to be an influencer because I want to make other people happy. I want to broadcast cool things other people are doing. And once again, I don't know if it's the R&D chef in me like we talked about before. It's not really about what I want. It's not about me being famous. Look at me, how great of a chef I am because I'm OK. But I will not compare myself to great chefs out there in any capacity. Right. But if I can influence population to be better to be nicer to go cook themselves to give recipes to start being curious about food like i have more fun with that than somebody telling me that i'm an awesome chef and this food item right. you know exactly is, is great so that's kind of the path i'm trying to go down now good dude
0: you got some good stuff man i like that i've, 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 I've had, had a lot every of once fun. in a
1: while you know yeah you i mean i've had a lot of, of
0: fun i don't know how long i followed you I know that you I, – I think you kind of ended up in my feed
1: I'm sure through I some other you. people. Yeah. What's that? I'm sure I bothered you because I love Bar Rescue a whole lot. But so
0: I, I think I – I don't think you ever did. I think you probably just replied to something or saw something and then – because I follow chefs. Like if a chef follows me – I will follow a chef back.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, as opposed to everybody out there, I try and I've gone through. I've tried to kind of delete some of the people that I follow because I'm like, you know, why am I wasting my feed yeah. on oh, a lot of
1: absolutely? You know,
0: absolutely. especially if they start talking about politics or something like that. Every well, now and then, I'll throw a political thing out there, but it's really more of a ones. It's really more of a both sides.
1: Yeah, Look, go out know. and vote. Yeah, don't ca- just do that. Yeah, everybody and, should vote. That is our right to do that. I
0: think. Last Newt week still. I posted something like to the effect of why wow. is it that Biden and Bernie Sanders are why are they still campaign campaigning at this point? You know, like that's nobody yeah. gives a shit. No offense. None of us actually care. We want answers in regards to what's happening in our lives right now. Yeah. I want to know when can I open the restaurant up fully? When is my employ when are my employees going to be taken care of? You know, where are we in this stuff? I don't give a shit whether Bernie Sanders and, and, and Joe Biden you know get up on stage and start making out that would be yeah. kind of funny but i'm
1: gonna kiss all the babies i'm gonna, I'm gonna kiss, kiss one tenth of one percent of the
0: babies <laughs> But but I mean, so I think it's kind of funny how we we connected in that way to that. And I've been a fan. Like I said, I like watching, seeing the stuff that you post. And then that when, when that commercial came out, I just I was done. I was like, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> I just got to awesome. get him on. So I'm really glad that that we did. I uh, uh, I'm glad you took the time out of your day to do this. Oh, Not that anybody's doing anything these days.
1: <laughs> this is true. I got nothing but time. We I can know, do this God. every day. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> Jerry, we're starting our own podcast the Mike and Brian show
1: nice oh you get top billing you get top billing for sure all right fine
0: it is i have the i have the the letter closest to the beginning in the alphabet that's box. true and there you've got go.
1: you've already got this all set up so this is your i do your baby. yeah
0: i wouldn't do trust me brother i wouldn't have any of this if it weren't for that guy who's listening to us in the background right now i'll tell you that right now nice nice so um which hey there you go brother you never know maybe that's uh, that, that's an outlet for you a podcast yeah,
1: yeah but never that, you never know I'd love put to that do. in
0: your arsenal That'd these guys awesome. are good Um, All right, brother. Well, uh, Chef, why don't you give us a real quick, tell us who you are, how people can get in contact with you via following you and all the other stuff, and we'll go from there.
1: Sure. So I am Chef Mike Harris. You can follow me by just searching my name and my last name is spelled just like it sounds. H-A-R-A-C-Z. I'll be the goofy bearded bald man picture uh, on the little uh, little icon there. And if you like food or nerd related things. Even more so, like Dungeons and Dragons kind of nerd, I'm your man. Um, I'm on, you know, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, your Reddits, and all that fun stuff. Um, But yeah, bother me anytime. Ask me all the questions. Give me comments. I will try to. I usually try to respond to literally everybody. So there's a good chance I will. uh, You know, we can talk. So there we go
0: well thanks mike i appreciate your time dude and uh we'll connect someday we'll grab a beer when i get out to chicago again let's do it let's do it awesome right, thanks, for having thanks me. man thanks for everything have a great day all right you too cheers dude there you go oh, mike harris look i'm telling you man i have followed this guy on twitter for a while and just his sarcasm and his responses and quick wit Uh, Plus the fact that he's a chef and he had that world of, you know, the McDonald's in the background made him that much more um, appealing to me on somebody I wanted to have on the show. You know, I try to get chefs on and stuff like that. But when was the last time that you heard about kind of the process of going through a McDonald's uh, launch and relaunch and all that stuff? So so that's our show for this week. Uh, We hope everybody's doing well. I hope you guys are doing well, being hunkered down Um, out there in the, uh, uh, in the, in the world of being safe and quarantine and all that stuff. Um, stay in your houses, wash your hands and take care of your neighbors, guys. All right. Thanks so much to everybody out there who helps us get the shot job done with Jerry and Jason down there at RadioInfluence.com. Michelle out there at TechnoSolution. Maggie Gagliardi out there at uh, MAGZART, who does all of our stuff. Cheers, boys and girls. Thanks so much for hanging out with me this week. We'll talk to you next week. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified check mark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian
2: Duffy on Radio Influence.
0: This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio
2: Influence. We know from research that the average person has 15 to 17 breaths every single minute throughout the entire day. When we're faced with anything stressful, anything that causes fear, worry, anxiety, our breathing increases. And once it goes over 20 breaths per minute, now we can get into panic, indecisiveness. And that can cause us to suck our thumb and get in fetal position and hide under the covers, not knowing what to do, where to go, just not having a blueprint. But that's what this show is about. But right now, let's relax. We're going to create a blueprint. And I'm going to give you a few tools in each arena to manifest the blueprint. And the blueprint, well, we're only going to go out. It's not a master blueprint of your entire life. It's not the blueprint that you created back in December for 2020. That's gone out the window. We've made some adjustments. But right now, we need a micro-blueprint. Between right now and the end of May. So from right now until May 31st, and when May 31st arrives and June 1st kicks in, what have you accomplished? Hopefully, we've all gone back to work. Hopefully, we've all opened back our businesses. Hopefully, that plan that we've put in place today will have manifest by June 1st. Nothing great happens without a blueprint, and that includes a life.
0: The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.